Welcome to Building the Blockchain. And I'm David Whiting, and um, CEO of AccuChat and CPA Cloud Tax Pros. And I'm here with um, Brian McMahon from Expert Dojo. And um, we're talking every um, week in every segment we have um, on our second season is that we're talking to people who are leading incubators and accelerators and have uh, important uh, things to say about the blockchain industry and where we're going in the future and what we're doing currently. Uh, welcome to the show, Brian. Well, great to be here. Great. Thank you. And so what we're going to do is just start off a little bit. And uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and, and about yourself, Brian, and about Expert Dojo. Of course. Um, I'll start with me. I've been I've lived in approximately 40 countries over the last 30 years. Uh, I've had three companies prior to this. Um, my current company is an accelerator for early stage startups. So we bring in companies right at that pre-seed stage at their most difficult and dangerous of times. Uh, we invest between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars into those companies. Uh, we support them. We educate them. We introduce them to other investors for subsequent follow-on investment. And you know, we hope that our our eye is good and we've chosen the right companies and we've helped them in the right way to help them achieve what they wanted to achieve in the first place. Okay. And uh, how long has been uh, Expert Dojo been around, Brian? So we opened up about three and a half years ago. When we first opened up, we were a, a mentorship uh, provider. And then people asked us for more training. So we became a training company. And then people asked us to get more engaged. So we launched a venture studio, which you know generally had ownership of companies. And then they wanted us to invest. So we started investing. And actually today, now actually four years later, we are a full international accelerator traveling around the world, looking for the greatest companies on the planet, which nobody else has realized yet, and then bringing those companies to America, investing the $100,000 into them and helping them scale. That's amazing. That's amazing. And uh, so you've gone through your own growth in three and a half years from what your original uh, intention was. Yeah, so and, and it's, look, it brings up an important point, and you know, I suppose blockchain is relevant in this point too. A lot of people feel that early stage startup is a place of pivoting, and even within blockchain, a lot of people feel that every new iteration means a new pivot. And I think we're looking at it the wrong way around, because if we look at it the right way, it is that we are inventing something absolutely new that has never existed before. And if we're inventing something new that has never existed before, then it is impossible for that to be whole. It is impossible for it to be a 100% perfectly thought out product fit. Normally, it is 12 or 13% of what the end product fit is going to look like because we need the customer to tell us what they think. We need our colleagues to tell us what, what they think. We need our bank balance to tell us if it actually works. And we need time so that we can understand the different alternatives. So I view starting a business really as launching at a 12% of end product fit. Now, that does not mean that we don't launch with the very best product that we have, but we have an expectation and more than an expectation, a desire to continually fail and succeed so we can continue to adapt our product fit 
to the place where it becomes perfect. And that's really what's happened with us over the last four years. And with the 33 companies we've invested in so far, it's what happens with every single one of them every day of the week. Hmm. So what you're saying is not to start off full blast 100% uh, into any um, project or venture, you, you test it first? Well, I'm saying you are launching at 100%, but 100% really only is 10 or 15% because you're launching something that has never existed before. So it's 100% of what you can launch today, but it only reflects 15% of what you will end up with in five years' time. Yeah, the potential, right. Exactly. And when you acknowledge that, you don't become, you you don't use terms like pivoting or changing or having to come up with a new model because it it, it brings in an an assumed, an assumed feeling that actually you've done something wrong. Well, that's not the case. All you are doing is growing from your 15% end of line product fit to a 70% over a five year period. Hmm. Right. And uh, you, you are uh, basically working with these companies over that whole five-year period. Uh, it hasn't right. been that f- it hasn't been that long yet, but you intend to help those these companies from beginning to that five-year maturity. Absolutely, we consider ourselves to be a perpetual accelerator, which means we stick with them through the eight-week program, where we teach them brand communication, marketing foundation, community, influence level, and everything else they need, including mindset. And then we stick with them through the next four weeks where we focus on finding them investment. And then we stick with them for the next four, five, eight, ten years to help their company continually grow. Okay. And uh, you're looking to help them with their, if they want to have an exit or if they want to also just um, go public or uh, um, those options are up to the owners of the company, and uh, you yeah. you help them with that decision. Yeah, let's call it let's call it forward growth. Okay. Yeah. Whatever forward growth means, it's forward growth. Right. Right. And uh, especially, you have to be nimble uh, with the blockchain industry and, and the changes that, um, that are going on. Um, so uh, you talked about um, you know traveling a lot and seeing a lot of different things uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, the different countries you've been in and, and what you've been um, interested in and leading sure. up to I, I can tell you uh, last month we were in uh, Tel Aviv uh, over in Israel also Jerusalem in Israel also Haifa in Israel which I still believe is the greatest startup nation on the planet by a million miles uh, we were also in Mexico which um, I believe is one of the most creative nations on the planet. So different skill set, like we're not going to find deep tech in Mexico, but we'll, we will find great creativity. And um, we were also in Canada, which you could argue is one of the most supportive nations on the planet for startup by way of their government. And uh, this month or in July, we're going to, uh, we're going to Taiwan. We're also going to South Korea. Uh, we also have plans to go over to Italy, and we also have plans to go to the United Kingdom. Wow. Okay. And um, what do you think you're going to see different, and what do you think you're going to see similar in these countries um, from the point of view of blockchain? So, you know, I see blockchain, look, we've been watching blockchain very carefully over the last few years, and I think the term blockchain will almost become as irrelevant 
as the term artificial intelligence is today. So if we rewind 10 years ago, everybody spoke about it. it's going to be artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence will be able to replicate what humans are doing. And now there is a natural assumption that if you don't have any form of artificial intelligence built into your technology, then you just don't have very good technology. So I believe that in the future, blockchain will be exactly the same. There will just be a natural assumption that there is some form of transparency built into your entire user experience, and that will be built, of course, through blockchain. So blockchain right now is a buzzword. People are looking at it. I look at it more as a feature, and I look to try and see what specific industries does that feature fit best into to give my startups a head start. Hmm. Okay. And um, out of the 33 startups that you've been working with, how many are blockchain and, and using blockchain? Um, so in one way or another, all are either using it or planning to integrate it in the future. Look, there's some ones which are more obvious than um, others. So we have one company which is called Trustabit. And Trustabit is a company where it's based on airlines over in Europe. And airlines in Europe have been told that if they do not give a, um, a refund to passengers for late flights, then they're going to get into big trouble. Now, some airlines are good actors, some airlines are bad actors. But what all airlines know is that it's extremely hard for anybody to be able to track all of the flights that are being taken. So we have a company called Trustabit. Trustabit use the blockchain to track every single flight through every single person so they can work out seamlessly uh, who the good people are and the bad people are in the airline space and they can make sure that people get their refunds as they need them. So that company is uh, is doing some great things. And then we have other ones that are just looking at either in the real estate space where they're using blockchain. There's some super applications in that space. Um, everything from escrow all the way to being able to track down through the house's history from the very beginning, uh, almost like um, Carfax, right, but for houses. And we're looking very closely at medical as well and what can be integrated into the medical space. Obviously, there are the really obvious applications where, and actually this is where, so there are some applications which are extremely obvious, such as medical records, right? I've lived in 40 countries. What's my medical record? Who knows? Because there's no tracking of it internationally, and there never will be any tracking of it internationally unless all medical records are put on the blockchain and we can actually track them in a very simple way. However, the fact that the system is so old-fashioned that the friction to the disruption is still a little bit high. So we look at this, and we look at this with the applications that are coming into it. We may see a perfect blockchain application like in that medical space, but we're nervous about the fact that actually the friction would be high to implement it through the systems that are already out there. Yes, I, I agree. I, I see a lot of um, healthcare and a lot of medical uh, blockchain startups and projects um, trying to be implement it, but they're having a hard time scaling because of resistance with hospitals or just uh, the way the system is, it doesn't really match up uh, the insurance system. And there's a lot of moving parts with uh, the medical side, but I, I hope there's uh, a breakthrough in blockchain. I know it will come. It, it, it'll, it'll 
to come. It's just it's new and people aren't used to it. And it's, it's as I said, eight, ten years ago, people are saying, oh, artificial intelligence, we don't want it. It's going to be terrible. It will replace jobs. And everybody's thinking of like Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator. But our, of course, artificial intelligence has become something entirely different. You know, it's become ways to actually help us monitor our health and stay there. And blockchain is in the same space that artificial intelligence was back then. People don't fully understand it. And because they don't understand it, it seems harder work to implement than it is just to leave it and do nothing. Um, but it, it will come. Like we have another company we're investing in um, that are using blockchain to be able to not only monitor, but track all of the ships that are coming in and out of different ports. So we can tell what containers are coming in on what ship, at what time, when, and we just then keep a record of it forever so that we can tell again the ships that are late, the ships that are on time, but more important, we can tell what cargo has been transferred by what ship at any period and any time, and it really helps. But what's the, the friction on that is that the ports are governed by very, very strong conservative unions, and those strong conservative unions would much rather say no to absolutely anything that could cost one single job in the port, even if it makes the port more profitable. So we, we, we look at those things very carefully. And for some of these applications, we're saying, yep, we want to invest now. And there are other applications we're saying we definitely want to invest, but we're going to wait a little while until it's a calmer and nicer environment. Okay. And um, speaking about that, right, uh, speaking about that resistance, do you think blockchain can work with existing legacy systems that are in place or does everything have to be replaced and you have to start new because you have to have that transparency that only blockchain can provide? You know, it's a broad brush question because there's so many different industries. And look, there are some areas where it's easier to do, such as, for example, like we know within real estate, especially some of the more recent buildings or the buildings that are being built now, it's very easy to incorporate blockchain into that because we're starting the tracking from today. But then go back to shipping, like our medical records. You've got a, you've got. 10 million or something doctors around the world who all have small little offices, different systems, different CRMs, different patient records, different rules, different regulations, different industry standards and norms, and even countries with the laws that are in those countries. So it will vary. And, you know, this is like any elephant. We just eat it one bite at a time. What we're not trying to do is take over the world. What we're trying to do is see if the right application at the right time can be implemented in a way that is cost effective and it makes life for the user easier. Are less expensive? And if the answer is yes, 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 and yes, then we do it. And if the answer is no, no, yes, yes, then maybe we wait a little while or maybe we try and find a way to break through. And that really is is where the startup space becomes tremendously important for the development of blockchain in general. Thank, okay, that's great insight. Uh, I guess what you're also um, talking about is more B2B than B2C. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the, uh, the deal flow that, you look, that you're seeing? And um, the blockchain deals seem to be more B2B uh, to try to create an infrastructure and what... And, uh, tried to match up with these legacy systems that we're talking about. You're seeing more B2B than B2C? I mean, look, a lot of what we deal with as an early stage accelerator is B2C, right? M many of the, uh, the products and the services and the apps that we have coming through are straight through to the consumer. And yet the systems that are in place, obviously, were not built 
to support blockchain or even get engaged with it. Um, but even for some of the B2B systems, look, just, just take, let's take general, general office. Uh, some people use sales, like their CRM system. Some people use Salesforce. Some people use Zoho. You know, their mail distribution system. Some people are using MailChimp. Some people are using uh, Mad Mimi. Some people are using uh, Benchmark. I mean, it goes across the board. So the problem is not that there's a perfect legacy system that needs to be fixed. The problem is there's like 40, 50, 60 systems you could use. And all of these systems are entirely different. And none of these systems care about blockchain yet, or very few of them do yet, until it actually benefits their system. So again, this is an elephant. We are talking about incorporating something. I see it almost as big as going from pen and paper to um, G Drive, where you have your you have your Google Docs and you have your Google um, you have Excel up there and everything, and it's in shared folders and everything is there forever and it stays. I see it as the next iteration on that. Like we didn't wake up one morning and say everybody's going to have a computer today, and then everybody on that computer is going to make sure that they have their um, their G Suite built into it. No, it was built over time and, and there were early adopters and there were people who needed it more for their specific needs than other people needed. And then over a period of time, those mid adopters and those laggards came in. Or even a phone is a great example. I think of the rotary phone. I mean, back in the beginning, nobody would have imagined they wouldn't have had the rotary phone back at house. But today, nobody has one. It just takes time. And whether it's B2C or B2B, there are certain industries that are going to find it incredibly difficult to incorporate this until either the user or the providers see um, a, a huge, a huge advances. Um, I do think like what, the areas where it's easier is where the big folks who dominate that industry have got a lot of power. So, for example, insurance. The moment that one of the big few insurance companies decide to implement implement new aspects of blockchain, it changes everything. Because all of us are going to follow. Like if you say to me, if 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 um, Oscar, for example, in New York, say Brian, you know your policy currently is seven hundred dollars a month, but that will reduce down to six hundred and twenty five dollars a month if we can show that by you tracking in these areas that you you've actually reduce our risk. Well, I'm in. But I need Oscar to do that. I don't need some small startup to bring it in. You know, and the same will apply in many of the other areas as well. But you just need that big beast to lead it out at that end. And then you need to push up through um, just e eating the elephant small pieces at a time by people just fixing specific problems that blockchain can fix. Okay. So you think that it's, it's a mixture of grassroots and then also uh, larger companies adopting um, some of these different um, techniques and some of these different applications that blockchain uh, is more proficient at uh, currently right now. And then later down the line, you think it's going to be something that's going to be a, a, in an evolving scale. Uh, how long do you think it's going to take? Ten years, five years, or you have no idea? <laughs> It's already happening. You know, it's already happening. Again, it's ch it's changing. It's changing on a daily basis. Like, there's very few people. Think about how any great revolution starts. It's always it always starts with grassroots, right? Without grassroots, there is no revolution. There is no big folks. Uh, and if you even take crypto and you take what's actually crypto is even almost a better example because it started with grassroots. 
it had a couple of almost deaths. And then suddenly those people who fought it so hard realized they were going to lose and they realized that they could win more. It's a little bit like Blockbuster fighting against Netflix. Mm. There's a moment where Blockbuster should have embraced Netflix if they weren't a bunch of idiots. In blockchain and in crypto, like take what happened with Facebook and crypto the other day. Like once these giants start saying this is real and we are going to turn it into something that is going to be used going forward, it changes everything. But that can only happen when the grassroots lasts long enough that they wear out the current incumbents. Now, I think in blockchain, that's pretty much happened already. I mean, we see the largest consulting firms in the world, not just embracing blockchain, but starting to use it, like Accenture, Deloitte, Boston Consulting, all these folks are taking it now as part of their development of the companies that they work with to incorporate blockchain almost as a standard. So with that happening, we've already done the grassroots. We already have the large consulting companies who are bringing it on board. It's now just a question of market by market, industry by industry, product by product, looking at the entire life cycle of that product and all of the systems it has to go through and then and working them one by one. So it's happening today. I don't see... I don't see this as being some big long wait that may or may may or may not happen. Uh, all of us in the acceleration space are are assuming that blockchain is here to stay and it's going to have a fundamentally positive impact on the businesses that we're going to be bringing in. Yes, uh, and that's what makes um, what we're doing right now very exciting, and it's a very exciting time to uh, experience what's going on with the blockchain industry. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what you're seeing here in the U.S. and compared to what you're seeing overseas? Because I think there's a lot of momentum that people are hearing about overseas in different areas in like Singapore and Malta and um, Switzerland, like you were talking about with uh, Facebook. Uh, what are you seeing as uh, the difference between the U.S. And, and overseas as it relates to blockchain and, and how we're doing with investing? So I think it's fair to say, look, uh, any conversation we really have about blockchain and when we go back to the origins is really about crypto. And it's really about crypto in those days because that was what got evangelized. That's what people found out about first. And then what people then really was built into the conversation was that what made crypto possible is the blockchain itself. Now, if we look at all those early adapters and, uh, and evangelists, like the folks like Brock Pierce and all of those boys and girls, many of them were in California. Many, many, many of them. And if we look at many of the investors who got behind those people, so many of those were in California as well. Like It was driven very much by the U.S. However, the U.S. government definitely made a big, big mistake in how they dealt with the entire rollout of the initial coin offerings and the entire crypto management on its own. It just happened too fast. They managed the equity crowdfunding revolution extremely well. They managed this one incredibly badly. So because they managed it so badly, other countries stepped up and said, hey, we want you, all, you guys all want to do ICOs? Brilliant. Do it in my country. Now, and that, and that drove... The entire implementation, not just of crypto, but also blockchain in those countries as well, because many people see them intrinsically linked. Now, for me, 
Is this a bad thing for the U.S.? I'm not sure. I think most of the ICO BS that happened should never have happened. They were awful companies with terrible applications and extremely low innovation and surrounded by a lot of hype that made very few people money and made a lot of other people lose money, right? That was my general feeling. It took companies we knew had a pretty low valuation and boosted their valuation up. So I think it's actually hurt a lot of these places rather than helping. With blockchain itself... What it's done is it's just made it famous around the world. So we're now seeing places spring up that have nothing to do with crypto and are focused only on blockchain. And they're building applications and implementations into existing system and they're building it for what it is. As I said, I see it as Excel 3.0. It now allows us to be able to do things we were never able to do before, but it is a feature but it is a very important feature that has been looked at around the world. So, yes, of course. I mean, there are countries and most of the countries that embrace the ICOs that are all over blockchain. And a lot of the company countries in Europe are all over blockchain. And Switzerland are obviously very friendly towards it. The Facebook example was a good one. But that's not going to change. And, and, and that's kind of my final point. And there's like the grassroots has already been done. This is now about how do we make sure that we get the implementation piece by piece, city by city, country by country, until it becomes the norm? And that is not as far away as we think. Right. Oh, that's that's great insight. Thank you. I, I agree with, with a lot of that. Uh, some of it um, also has to go along, like you said, uh, it's from the grassroots coming up, and then finally it's going to come to the government. So uh, when the government's... Um, are looking at it right now and, and institutions are looking at it and uh, in 2019 and 2020 as we're moving forward I'm looking at uh, the market maturing and I see a lot of uh, what you're uh, saying is, is true um, and I'm looking at what also uh, what we want to look at is um, about the startups uh, getting back to startups what are you looking at uh startups and what kind of advice can you give the startups because you know the statistics aren't really there um uh, you know about 10 percent of uh, companies are successful after five years or so um what are you doing um at, at expert dojo to increase those numbers with your 33 um uh, startups that you're working with right now yeah so Look, when we look at a company, we're looking at extreme execution that we want the founder to be able to do. And, and it's a very simple two words to mention, but actually it goes deep. And there are very few people who are able to execute in an extreme way every single day. And we're also looking for the company to be able to get into a market that they know that they can actually get in there with the least amount of friction possible. We struggle with friction because friction is the biggest enemy of timing. So I understand if we're going to make, you know, a flying, flying car, there's going to be friction there. But if we're looking for more success, then the least friction that there is in, the better there possibly is. So, and this is where, this is a problem that a lot of the blockchain companies came up with and they ran out of money because the friction level was so high and so expensive to implement that they weren't able to do it. And then the final part we're looking for first to be able to scale. Now, from our perspective, we work so closely with the companies to actually build great company models as opposed to just working with them to help them find investment. The investment will come if other investors are convinced that the, that the startup has managed to nail those three areas. Hmm. 
Okay. And uh, that's what you work with every day at Expert Dojo. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, and maybe uh, we forgot maybe to tell everyone where you're located. You're in Santa Monica. So we're an international accelerator on top of the Santa Monica shopping mall. We have about 8,000 square feet, beautiful views down the beach and 3rd Street Promenade. Um, great companies coming through. Address is 395 Santa Monica Place. Now, anybody who ever wants to apply for the accelerator can do so by coming on to expertdojo.com, which is E-X-P-E-R-T-D-O-J-O. And there's applications there for the local accelerator and also the international accelerator. And we love blockchain-related companies. Just make sure that you tick all three of those boxes that I mentioned earlier on. That's fantastic. Uh, thank you, Brian. And um, so uh, that's great advice. And it's always uh, good to have um, experts who are providing great advice to startups. Um, and that's what we're doing here on building the blockchain. So uh, thank you for your time. And um, if you um, want to um, talk about um, some other uh, topics, if there's anything else that you want to f uh, finish off with, um, we can uh, talk about um, some different topics um, that you want to offer some more advice um, and your future plans. What are your future plans for uh, Expert Dojo and, and the Let me finish. Let me, let, let me, I'll do the future plans quickly, um, which is kind of more on me and, and maybe a little bit boring for your listeners. But then also I want, I'll finish with just strong advice to be able to actually launch and scale a business successfully. So, I mean, firstly, we, we will have 50 companies invested in by the end of this year. We were looking for 100 companies to, in, to invest in by the end of next year. Uh, we're building our direct bridge. And think of us as a bridge to the world. So we're building a bridge to Israel. We're building a bridge to Canada. We're building a bridge to Mexico, to Brazil, to everywhere. So we can get the greatest startups in the world and we can bring them here. A little bit like baseball. No different. You know that Puerto Rico's got some great players, but bring those folks right over. You know that Cuba's got some great players, but bring those folks right over. Bring the brightest and the best talent there is everywhere and bring them in. Um, and will we have, you know, 100 companies, 1,000 companies, 5,000 companies in our portfolio? I'm not sure. I know it's going extremely well now. Portfolio is doing really well. All of our partners are really happy with the investments we're making. And we've got extremely positive results and a lot of uh, of of optimism for the future. So, and then I'll just finish with, you know, what do we advise? What do we feel like with companies? Look, the amount of companies that come through all of these ecosystems, Santa Monica, San Francisco, and whatever country that you're actually listening in, and every single founder and every single company truly believes that they have this great model and this great company and it's going to do fantastic. And the truth is, that less than 1% of companies actually will make it through the first three funding rounds, less than 1%. So the odds are incredibly hard against you. So don't try and build a unicorn. Don't try and build a billion-dollar company. Try and build a great company that you scale with user fit extremely tight. And every single day, you are aggressively pushing forward with business development and listening to the feedback you get so you can make sure that you're always getting to the next stage. And then if you build it properly, then you reach a decision as to whether you're going to scale it up to be a unicorn or a $100 million company or a 50 company. But at the beginning, just build a great company. Yes, great advice. Great advice from beginning to to the end. And uh, that's uh, Building the Blockchain podcast. And we've been talking with Brian McMahon, the founder of Expert Dojo. 
And uh, thank you very much, Brian, for coming on the podcast. And we wish you the best of luck in the future. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Love talking about blockchain. Yes. Thank you. Take care. Thanks.